Hello everyone, my name is Vanessa Menendez Covello and this is the Fresh Needle podcast where I interview fresh graduates and acupuncture students from all over the world and we discuss their experiences as students or running their own clinics, particularly in these very weird times of COVID-19. I want to tell you about an amazing opportunity that is opening up for new graduates who are looking to build their acupuncture practice. Nava Karman is a leading acupuncturist and herbalist specializing in fertility, gynecology, and the immune system. She has run the fertility support company for over 20 years. Nava is launching a new mastermind group exclusively for new graduates. This mastermind group will meet every two weeks to provide mentoring, guidance, and inspiration, and will focus on clinical skills and the practicalities of building a business. This will be a close-knit group of practitioners who will work together for a year to develop the skills and habits required to be clinically effective and financially successful. I recently did a session with Nava, and what I like the most about it is how safe I felt about discussing my fears and worries. I came out of it with a list of very practical, achievable steps to implement change. There are only six places in the group, so you need to apply quickly. Go to www.fertilitysupport.expert forward slash graduate. Hello, everyone. Our guest today is Kathleen Tolovan, an acupuncturist who is also a burnout expert, helping people get over their burnout and create strategies to avoid finding themselves there again. Kathleen achieved her master's degree in Chinese medicine in 2007, and since then she has run her own clinics in Warsaw, Prague, and currently Manhattan. Welcome, Kathleen. Am I pronouncing your name okay? Yes, it's Caitlin, but I've lived Caitlin. all over the world for such a long time that I'm really accustomed to, when I was in Argentina, it was Catalina. That's okay, too. It's fine. Oh. I think I'm going to go with that, Catalina. Yeah, that works. That. No problem. <laughs> it's so nice having you here. The COVID pandemic has tipped a lot of people over the age. So this is a really good time to talk about burnout, particularly as I feel that this is a real danger for new acupuncturists who might feel overwhelmed um, with the situation. Has Have people been approaching you about this? Have you been speaking to fresh acupuncturists? Yes, I've actually had, um, when I was living in Poland, I was teaching at the at a, at a local acupuncture school. So I have had sort of years and years of fresh acupuncturists that have been reaching out to me for support in, in various things um, because I'm so connected to them. And what I'm finding is that there's this, and this is what happened to me as well, there's this belief that if you follow your passion, you will not burn out. Yeah, you're laughing. And you, you guys cannot see her, but she's laughing because this is funny. And I even read a quote yesterday that came up on Instagram and it said, when you're working really hard for something that you don't believe in, it's called stress. But when you're working really hard for something you believe in, it's called passion. And it made me want to bang my head against the screen. I totally hear you. And I was laughing because there's that, that, that other thing going on around saying, you know, do what you love and you'll never work again a day in your life. And I'm like, no, I am working. I love what I'm doing, but I am working. Yeah. And there's so many components, especially being an acupuncturist. It has changed a lot since I graduated, of course. So it's been 13 years that I've been in practice. But when I graduated, it was impossible to get an acupuncture job anywhere. And now it's still not very possible. But it exists. And 13 years ago, it did not exist. So your only option was entrepreneurship. Working for somebody else was, was not there. So there's a lot of components to becoming a new acupuncturist. You can love Chinese medicine, but not know how to run a business. Yes, yes. I was really lucky that my, um, my course had a really good business module. And that's one of the things that they said from the get-go. They said that a lot of new acupuncturists really struggle with. It's this thing where either you kind of set yourself up on the first year after graduation or you will actually not do it. Um, and they, so they really forced us. We, we could not graduate until we had a, a full business plan. That's great. And that, yeah, that really helped. But it's still, you know, it still is, it's work. <laughs> they might say it's not because you love it, but it is work. But I'm so glad that you are out there talking about burnout because I, I was burnt out. You know, I, I used to work in a really corporate environment. And I just remember the last couple of years um, at work, I tried a lot of things. I tried working part-time. I tried taking sabbaticals. And there's always these 
underlying feeling you start feeling like there's something wrong with you mm-hmm. I'm like well, why am I not more resilient why am I not stronger you almost feel weak like why can't I do this while well, I felt you know I was feeling my soul die day by day so I'm really happy that you're here doing this Thank you. Thank you. And it's it's important to me to talk to acupuncturists because I really want to get across the fact that it's you you can really love your job and you can still burn out doing it. It doesn't make you a bad acupuncturist. It doesn't mean you don't care about people. It means that you probably don't have as good boundaries as you think you have. That's, you know, we could talk about that for hours. That's, a, you know, I have an online course about boundaries. Like this is really important to me because I grew up in Massachusetts, which in the United States, when you meet somebody from Massachusetts, you call them a mass hole. Okay? <laughs> okay. Because we are known for being a little bit brash, a little bit tough, a little bit harsh. Um, and so I thought that my ability to be aggressive almost meant that I had good boundaries. The two are completely unrelated. <laughs> They're completely unrelated, but I didn't know that at the time. And I, I had such a desire to use this medicine to help people that I said yes too many times. And also, when I graduated from acupuncture school, I was 24. Oh, wow. Right? So I was really young. One of the youngest people, it was me and one other that he was one year younger than me when he started. So we were the two youngest people in the school. Everyone that we were in school with was, you know, 35 to 50. And here we are, these 20-year-old kids going to, going to acupuncture school. So when I finished school, I moved to Poland. I didn't speak the language. I got a job at a fertility clinic. Don't ask me how. It was like, I can't even believe they hired me. So I'm the first acupuncturist in a fertility clinic in the whole country. I don't speak the language. And everybody that I'm treating is about 10 years older than me or more. Mm. And so I'm really feeling like I have to over provide my services and really prove my value to them because my interpretation is that they're looking at me thinking, what can this little girl do to help me? So I was trying to prove my value and earn love and trust and, and worth by giving them more than I really had to give. And fertility is really one of the areas where it's so easy to lose the boundaries because just starting, if someone's doing a fertility treatment, then they might, you know, you might want to do the pre and post transfer treatment, which usually means that you're working at 7.30 in the morning or or at night. And it's such an emotional thing that then, you know, you get people calling you crying because they just got their period. It really is so easy to lose the boundaries there. It's really easy to lose boundaries and it's really um, hard to not live through the emotional cycle with the patients. And on top of that, this, this is something that I've heard from quite a few acupuncturists that got into fertility early into their careers. Um, they don't actually like it. You think that you can use acupuncture to treat whatever comes in and it will be satisfying to you. But the fact of the matter remains that I don't honestly hold a value in having children. I don't have children myself. I don't think that they're necessary to have a fulfilled life. And I know that there are people out there that will hate me for saying this, but I didn't gain as much fulfillment as other people will from doing fertility work because it wasn't extremely important to me to create more children. I hear you. (laughs) Yeah. And it was really hard for me too to watch people go through this process. So I was in Poland for six years and that meant that I saw people through their first pregnancies and sometimes second pregnancies. And so I had people that would have their first child that they were expecting to fulfill them completely. Right. And then of course it does not work like that, even though you cannot explain that to someone who is in that state and thinking that if they just have this child, then then they will feel complete and happy and, and it doesn't work that way. And so it was um, really hard for me to watch people suffer for such a long time, get the thing that they assumed that they wanted and then come back in and say, well, I must need a second because I love him and I'm happy to be a mother. They were not, not, I'm not saying that these people were miserable. They were, well, some of them were not really happy, but that's a whole separate issue. You know, they were coming in and saying, well, now my family feels incomplete because I don't have two children. And now my family feels incomplete because I don't have twins. And my family feels incomplete because, so there was this never ending 
cycle that they were stuck on to, to fulfill themselves more using a method that might fulfill a piece of them, but not everything. And so it's hard for me to watch that. Yeah, that's a spiral. That's really spiraling, not into a great place. So did that contribute to you feeling eventually burned out? Yeah, of course. This was a part of it, definitely. The other part of it was, like I said, I once I was in the fertility clinic for about three and a half years, I opened a private practice. And I, within six months, had a three-month waiting list. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's not happened to me. <laughs> and it's not happening to me right now in Manhattan either, because there's a lot more options in Manhattan than there was in Warsaw um, at the time. When you looked up fertility and acupuncture in Polish in Warsaw, it was, I was like the first 14 options. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't anybody else doing it. Now there are plenty of people doing it. I'm very happy that there are a lot of people doing it. The people, these, you know, people that are trying for children deserve to have the support emotionally and physically of having someone care for them. I think it's really important. Um, but I, I had this three month waiting list and every time my phone rang, I was, and it was a number I didn't recognize. I was really nervous to pick up the phone because it was going to be somebody who wanted something from me that I was not going to be able to give them. And it made me feel really guilty. I had to disappoint a lot of people and I really didn't like it. I would say, well, I can see you in three months time or I can recommend this person or this person or this person. And they say, no, no, we want to see you. And I said, okay, well, I can see you in three months. But, okay, but what if somebody cancels? I said, well, if somebody cancels, I have three months of people that are already on the list ahead of you. So I, I, I can't jump around like that. Like I, I had to make these rules, but it was really awful for me to have these conversations. And Polish people are very pushy. Um, not, and I don't even mean that in a bad way. It's, it's during communism. They learned that you have to finagle things. You have to figure things out. So that's what they do. It's not, it's built into how they function. So they would say, well, can't you come in early? Can't you take me during lunch? Can't you stay late? And I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm already seeing 60 to 80 patients a week. I have a three month waiting list. Like I, I can't work more hours. My body is, is being crushed right now. So then my thyroid started not working. I started gaining weight. I was not exercising because I, I couldn't manage my schedule anymore because there was too much to do. On my days off, I was so tired that I couldn't enjoy them. So death by success. Yeah, exactly. So I was very successful. I was at the height of my game. I was regularly in, you know, asked to be on, you know, uh, talk shows and, you know, morning shows and evening talk shows. And I was in magazines and it was like, you know, very, very good from the outside. But I had not really learned how to really have true boundaries, how to really protect myself. And I, and I was good at business as an entrepreneur, as one person. But I was so afraid to hire a receptionist because I thought I was going to be losing money. I didn't understand that they would allow me to earn the money that would cover their salary. Like I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend that. And I was so afraid to do it that I was doing everything by myself and there was no such thing as online scheduling in 2011, you know, that didn't exist, especially in Poland. Maybe it existed in the United States already, but in Poland and in Polish, it was not available. So I had to, everything was on my phone. You know, I was, it was constantly ringing. There was constantly something going on and I didn't realize how much time and energy I was spending just getting people scheduled. Never mind the rest of the story. Like, had I hired someone to help me and gotten a bigger clinic and hired another acupuncturist, this might have been a very different story, but I was so afraid of the growth that I had created because it was, I couldn't handle it. I didn't know how to handle the growth. It's fascinating because there was this conversation going on in the um, acupuncturist group in the UK the other day about, uh, yeah, exactly, people feeling really um, overwhelmed. And um, a lot of people like myself went, I said, well, get a cleaner. That's the first thing. Like, you know, the moment I bought my first apartment, I got myself a cleaner. And I didn't mind that that meant at the time not going out on Saturday nights for dinner. But I was like, I cannot work so hard and then get up on Saturday mornings and be really upset 
because the flat looks like a tip. Yeah. And then what I found when I when I and other people said that is that there was a bit of a resistance because yes. people were feeling guilty, like they were saying, "Oh, I feel lazy." And to me, that that blew my mind, particularly because I'm getting into dangerous ter territory here. But I've never in my life heard a man feel guilty about having a cleaner ever. <laughs> yeah. Never. Like, yeah. never. My husband, when I met him, he was single, obviously, <laughs> and he had a cleaner. <laughs> and did he ever feel bad too. about it? Not a chance. My husband had to convince me to have a cleaner because I had these same thoughts. I grew up without, my parents did not have the ability to have a cleaner. There was just, they would not have been able to pay someone. It was not a question of not going out to eat on Saturdays. It was a question of whether or not I would have shoes that fit. So this was totally out of the realm of possibility for me growing up. But my husband was like, but Katie, this literally costs us compared to what we're earning right now, like almost nothing. And we're paying, and we were paying more than the average. And he was like, this is not problematic for us, but he had to convince me. And then once I opened my clinic, it took me another six months to hire somebody to clean the clinic as well. It's weird, right, that we do that. Yeah, yeah. And the clinic was, you know, 90 square meters. So pretty, not not huge, but for a single person. It had a fireplace and a full kitchen. So like uh, two bathrooms. It was a lot to clean, really. And I was in there like scrubbing the floors after seeing patients all day. Like, what? Why are you doing this? These are the kind of things that we, we need to learn to um to deal with. So I think then this all of this motivated you to create your podcast, which is called Fried, the Burnout Podcast. And um, so would you like to tell me about it? Fried for me was, you know, I, I burnt out when I was in Warsaw and then I stayed on a burnout cycle for about seven years. We moved to Prague. I opened another clinic. I was successful again, not, not like Warsaw, but enough to keep things rolling and to have a good salary, to enjoy my life. And I didn't realize for about seven years that what I was experiencing was burnout. Mm. And one day I read an article online and my whole body, you know, when you see, you see and you hear something that's really true and your whole body is just like, oh my God, that's it. You know, that feeling. So I had that feeling reading this article about burnout. And so I started, I was uh, 35, 34, 35 at the time. And I started digging through research. My husband was doing a postgraduate degree at, at Cambridge at the time. So I had access to all the university libraries. Oh, that's a great library. I have access to it it's amazing, as well. Right? And it saved my dissertation. Yeah, right. It's so amazing. So I had access to, the, to, to Cambridge um, libraries and I downloaded everything possible about burnout. And I started really going through the research. Before I went into acupuncture school, I was on a pre-med track. So I, I, I like the science and the acupuncture combined. I, I love the magic of Chinese medicine, but I, I do enjoy the science. So I was digging through research and I started to heal. And I started to figure out what I needed to do to protect myself. And I started to realize that my internal boundaries especially were really terrible. And then my husband, we, I told my husband that it was time for me to move back to the United States. I had been gone for 12 years and I just, I felt this need to come back. So his job offered to move us, wonderful, but this happened. So everything is crazy. I leave my job in Prague. We close everything down. We move to the United States. So we made this big move to the United States and I spent two months getting our lives organized and just, you know, making sure everything was in place. And I was about to start my acupuncture practice and I had started doing some burnout coaching online. I had already had a couple of clients, so things are moving. And then I went to a kickboxing class and I ruptured my Achilles tendon. Oh, that's yeah. got to have been so painful. It was not painful at all. I barely felt it, but I didn't walk for four months. So I cannot open a clinic. I can't start working. It's not possible. I can't even stand up. So I went to bed after the first week, just before I had my surgery and I'm laying in bed and I'm crying and I'm thinking, Oh my God, what am I going to do? I have half of, uh, you know, my book was 50% written at that point. So I have half of a book. I have no job. I have two coaching clients, which is not enough to, you know, pay my bills. What am I going to do? And I went to bed and I prayed honestly, to my dead grandmothers, because that's who I talk to when I need something. And I said, okay, grandmothers, please tell me what to do, because I don't, I honestly, I don't know what to do. 
I woke up in the morning and I could not get this out of my head. Is it fried? The ultimate guide to burnout podcast. I have since shortened the title because it flows better. Fried, the burnout podcast flows better. And I started thinking about it and I thought, oh my God, this is a really great idea. And I can interview people and I can gather more information for the book. It will spur me to finish the book as well. So I started the podcast by putting up some podcast art on my Facebook page and asking people for feedback. It took about 20 um, back and forths, but we created it together. So my Facebook page and myself, we created my podcast logo together and everyone loves it. It's really fun podcast logo. So I created that and then I put out a call for guests and you have a podcast, you know what it's like to, to find guests. And so I put out this call for guests and in the beginning, nobody responded. So I went to bed thinking like, because I wanted to have real deep conversations. I want to have conversations where we're not afraid to say I was crying on the bathroom floor, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to have those talks. And I thought I was thinking to myself, well, nobody's willing to go that deep. People don't want to have these conversations. But I woke up in the morning and I had 38 requests to be <gasps> guests on the show. I booked 35 of them and did 35 interviews over five weeks. Of course, I'm in bed, right? I can't do anything anyway. So I just sat there and did recording after recording after recording. The, the beginning ones, the quality is terrible. Half the time I was in my parents' house sitting in a living room. The dog is barking. Like I mean, it was a mess. But I did it. And as I did it, I also finished the book. And as the podcast continued, I started getting more coaching clients because people were listening to the podcast. And that, you know, and, and everything started unfolding for me here. And now the podcast is my biggest lead generation tool for both my coaching business and my acupuncture practice in Manhattan. That's fascinating. So you you get people that find your podcast and from there book themselves as patients. That's amazing. Yeah. Right? Isn't that the coolest? That really is pretty cool. I love it. <laughs> because having a podcast for acupuncturists, I don't think it's going to bring me. <laughs> you never know. Patience. You never know. That is amazing. So what do you think are the main risk factors for acupuncturists um, you know, that would put them at danger of burning out? So for me, the thing that I noticed that's the biggest component for everybody is everybody has different types of trauma in their lives. And some of them are big T trauma and some of them are little T trauma. We don't need to judge them for how severe or not severe they were. This is not helpful at all. But we do need to understand that because of various traumas in our life, we created behavioral patterns to cope with them. And a lot of times these behavioral patterns we take with us into every area of our lives and we don't realize that we are overspending energy that we don't actually need to spend anymore. This trauma is no longer true. We can shift the way that we're doing this. And the biggest problem I see is that the coping mechanism or the behavior that we're using was very successful for us for a long period of time. Right. Yes. And then it becomes less successful, but we don't understand that we should change it because it's worked for so long. So, for instance, for me, even in high school, I was the person that people came to to tell their problems because I was able to give a very balanced view of the situation and help them see the other person's point of view and help them create a different way to talk about it and a different way to connect with another person. I've always been good at this. It's a talent of mine. But that meant that that's what I got praised for in friendships. It meant that that's what people noticed me for. So I did it more. So that meant that every single one of my acupuncture patients was also getting free coaching. I was like the cheapest acupuncturist coach in the world, you know, because of course I'm in Prague and Warsaw, the most expensive, the most expensive acupuncturist. I was the most expensive in both cities and it was 35 euros. Right. Right. So, and I'm giving them, and I'm coaching on top of that. Coaching is thousands of dollars and I'm giving it away here for $35, you know, because I had this, this idea that acting in that way is what would make people love me. We're always finding for love. We're always looking for love. Right? For love, for acceptance, for worth, for value. And I thought that if I didn't give away all these pieces of myself that were that helped me prove to myself that I was lovable over the years, the things that I got good feedback for, that if I didn't give them away, that I was not going to be lovable. I was not going to be respected. I was not going to be appreciated. And so I think that finding these 
behaviors, these ways that we are giving more than the situation calls for out of fear, this is where the biggest burnout happens because we and acupuncturists are notorious givers in the best and worst possible way. Yeah, yeah, I hear you because it's it's this self-identity that you build uh, usually around some sort of um, validation. Yes. So, you know, for example, for myself, my validation in the corporate world was that I was clever and I was able to do a good job. And then what happened to me was I got very proficient at my job. Acupuncture became very easy to me after some time. I didn't have to think too much. My, my in the, the combination of the knowledge that I had and the intuition that I gained over the years meant that people could walk into my office and I would already basically know what I was going to do before they started speaking. And I was, it was a, a very easy flow. It's not hard for me to choose points. I know that we're going to make some progress for the most part. Of course, there are people that don't, you know, this is just part of the game, but I know that something good will happen. So I got to this point where acupuncture became so easy for me that I didn't feel like I deserved the money that came from it. Right. That's, that's a scary thought, right? Because hard work, especially the United States culture, we love individualism. So pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and doing everything by yourself. This is a huge value. This is one of the top 10 American core values, which I think is awful. And then the next one is hard work. Hard work is like the number one or number two American core value. Right. So if this is easy for me, do I deserve the money? And like I said, you know, I was only charging $35 or 35 euros at the time, but it was still the most expensive in the city, in the cities that I was living in. And it was a very good living for where I was living. And I paid off my acupuncture student loans from the United States within nine years, which is insane because is the, the loans yeah. are, are so high. And so I was doing all these like things that, but still. Yeah, that is, um, again, that's by success in a way. Mm -hmm. But why? Why do we, why? <laughs> it is really quite fascinating. Why do we think that if something at some point happens easily, there's no value to it? I have no idea. And I think, well, I do actually know. I mean, I do think that it is because, especially in the United States culture that has seeped into all over the world, because our movies are everywhere, our books are everywhere, you know, it, it, it's seeped everywhere, that this belief that hard work is more valuable is built into who we are as people. So many of us, it's just built into who we are. It's got to be hard. Because in a way, for, for myself, I quite often um, kind of like, recognize things from my upbringing. I grew up in Spain, which is a very Catholic country. Yeah. So in Spain, it's almost like if you're having too much fun, you must be sinning. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah, of course. I grew up in a very, uh, I grew up in a Roman Catholic household in a city that is mostly um, almost like at least 50% of the city I grew up in is from the Azores. Right. Right. So very Portuguese, very Catholic, very hardworking. Yeah. Right. This is this is this is how we grew up. So it's fa it's familial, it's cultural, it's propaganda mostly that tells us that this is how it's supposed to feel. And so I burnt out when I was making the most money, and it was easy. That is, so I'm really glad that you're actually saying this because there is this idea that sometimes no, there's this idea all the time that people only burn out when everything's horrible and they are, you know, suffering through. And to think that actually you can be really successful and, and, you know, not really kind of struggle with the job in itself and still burn out. I think that's going to be a revelation to have a lot of people that might be feeling like that. But, but not acknowledging it. Yeah, exactly. And be almost ashamed again. Yes, right? Like I was ashamed. Like, why am I feeling so bad when things yeah. are so good? Yeah, I was. This is, was literally my question to myself. You're at the top of the mountain right now. You're tw I was 28 at the top of the mountain. What is your problem? But I didn't understand my own value. I didn't have great boundaries. I didn't accept that my job could be easier. I didn't accept help. Right? There's, there's a, so many reasons that go into this. But I had a really hard time believing that I could have been burnt out because, like, first of all, I was young. Second of all, I'm not afraid of hard work. In order to get through college, I bartended. 
you know, I was going to acupuncture school and, and bartending and waitressing 30 to 40 hours a week. I'm not afraid to work hard. That's not, you know, but it, but it wasn't hard. It was a lot of hours, but my job was easy. My job was easy. Yeah. And this was, this was a problem for me. And I think that this happens more than we admit. Like most of my coaching clients are not only acupuncturists, but most of my coaching clients are female entrepreneurs that built successful businesses that feel like what they built is not sustainable. Their health starts to break down. So they start losing bits of their business because they can't keep up anymore and they don't know what to do. This is my like core group of people that I serve. So it's happening all the time. We have these amazing female entrepreneurs that are building these amazing businesses and then feeling crushed by the weight of what they've built. So I have, I have two questions burning right now, which is that, does this happen to men? Yes. Yes, it happens to men. Absolutely. I do not dismiss the fact that it happens to men. I, I am a feminist at heart, but I do believe that the patriarchal society that we're in is harmful to men as well. The inability to express emotion, um, the, you know, or the not allowance to, to express emotion, and this sort of very outdated idea that the male has to be financially responsible for the entire family, and also responsible for like the health and physical safety of the family, which is like totally impossible, but something that we still expect, which is nuts. So there's a different series of expectations on men that lead to different behaviors that lead to the same burnout result. And in a way, I would then think that it's actually worse for them because at least in, in the culture that I come from, it's not a culture where men can actually acknowledge that they are exactly. feeling this way. Exactly. So, you know, there's there's been quite a few campaigns, um, not just in Spain, but in countries that, that I love and have been, for example, in India. Um, there's been a lot of worry because men get to that point where they're completely burned out, um, particularly in the tech industry where they yeah. have all these huge campuses for technology and they work ridiculous hours. Yeah. And then because they don't feel they can talk about it, it, it leads to sometimes to suicide. Yeah. While I think women, sometimes we have the um, societal advantage that in a way we are allowed to talk about our feelings. Yes. And I agree with this. And we are still ashamed of being burnt out. So we yeah. still don't talk about it. And this was one of the, the, one of the main reasons to have fried the burnout podcast was to normalize this conversation as much as possible to share all the dirty details so that people are not sitting at home thinking that they are the only ones thinking this. I had plenty of people come on and say, I tried to drive into a tree one day because I didn't know what else to do. I needed a break. And I thought the only reason, the only way that I would get one was if I broke a couple of my legs and ended up in the hospital for a few months. I mean, people are saying things like this on the podcast, and I think that it's important for us to hear them so that we can start talking about it more. So I do think that women have that advantage, that we have a little bit more freedom in that regard, but we're still not using it. Yeah, I for me, there was a, a turning point a while ago when I discovered this other podcast called How to Fail. Mm. You know, Elizabeth um, Day, and it's like, she talks about failure, and like oh my god no you know deal. people just opening saying yeah I did this and I sucked and I did this other <laughs> thing and it didn't work and because it's the story it's the story I always think um I wonder if it was Neil Gaiman maybe that talked about we hear the story of the prince that slays the dragon and gets the princess but before that prince that slayed the dragon there's thousand princes that died that you know the dragon Tried went and ate the them Exactly. Well, and this is something for me that's interesting because I consider my first foray into opening my own business, my, my first real true, I've always been an entrepreneur because even at the, the fertility clinic, I was um, an independent, you know, like contractor. Yeah. 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 I was thinking IC in my head and I couldn't think of the word. And so I was an independent contractor. So I've always worked for myself. But I look at the clinic that I built in Warsaw and I do not consider it a success. I consider it a financial success only. But I don't consider it a success overall. I'm, I'm finding that so hard to hear. Like really, I'm, I'm, I'm aching for you right now. It, it's, it's hurting, it's hurting. And I, but it's okay for me. I'm not hurting for this anymore. I did hurt for this for a long time, but it's not painful for me now. It's just part of the story. So what I learned was I know how to make money. 
What I also learned was I need to learn how to make money in a way that feels better to me. Yeah. Right. But I knew having the knowledge that I knew how to make money was incredibly important. And so that's valuable. So the whole thing was not a waste. I'm not saying that. I am just saying that that business was not a full success for me because I was not enjoying my life. Yes, yes. And um, so, for example, when I decided to uh, to change careers, um, I had to deal with <laughs> weeks, mm -hmm. if not months, of disappointment from my parents. My parents yeah. were bummed. <laughs> yeah. My parents were bummed because, uh, you know, on the one hand, they, they, they were worried, like, you know, are you going to be financially okay, which which I am. But on the other hand, it's, it's also, you know, they really liked the idea of having a highly successful daughter with a big job Fancy in a job. big company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you, uh, were you worried about your identity? Yes, absolutely. I, um, it, it has, it, there, there had to be a period of grieving. I had yeah. to grieve. And I think I still spent probably, my classmates can probably uh, agree on this, that I spent six months um, of, of our first year still talking about, oh, well, you know, in my previous job. And <laughs> yeah. it just, it really, t it's this thing where you have the comfort of knowing that you can do something well. I was I was yeah. good at my job, and yeah. you know that's like we had the annual <laughs> buckets. <laughs> so there was there was a kind of I cannot say objective because I always felt those evaluations were highly subjective. But you know there was there was a right. rank, right? Yeah. So theoretically, you could say I was successful. Yourself. Yeah. Yes, and then. Then you start studying acupuncture and obviously you suck at it at the beginning. Yeah. Like, and I remember thinking, I can't do this. This is too hard. I don't have the brain for this. So there was there was a huge psychological process of letting yeah. go of yeah. that persona. Yes, I think this is massively important. And I'm really glad that you labeled it as grief. Mm. I'm really glad that you said that because this is another thing that leads to burnout. We, we do not allow ourselves to grieve previous iterations of our life. And so we carry them with us all the time and they waste a lot of energy. They waste so much energy. It's almost like having an injury that you're healing from. You know, like when you have an injury and you have to heal, you your energy availability is down by 30% on a day-to-day -day basis. You cannot live the same life. Like, And if you do, you end up you know, worse than when you started. What we don't realize is that's the same thing when we're going through, when we're carrying around these old pieces of who we are that we have in, in our day-to-day -day life left behind, but in our minds, we have not allowed ourselves to go through this grieving process, which is so necessary, so necessary. So did you, did you grieve from yeah. your previous, you know, big successful clinic yeah. life? Yeah. Yeah, I went from, you know, be standing on the top of the mountain to being in Prague and having a, a good practice. It was full. I didn't need for anything, but there was nothing flashy about it at all. Yeah. And I had to grieve this girl who was getting the attention from the media and, and doing these things that made me feel important but didn't add to my overall satisfaction. Yes, because it's all a bit of an illusion sometimes. Yeah. Isn't it? Yes. And I had to also grieve my old idea of success. Yes. Right? I hear you. I so hear you. I had to grieve this old idea of success because, like I said, I grew up, you know, with, with not any with not a lot of extra. You know, we had the bare minimum. I always we always had enough food. I always had clothes to wear. So, you know, but that was it. There was nothing more than that. And I, I created this idea of success when I was very young. And then when it turned out to be not true, not, not, maybe not true, not fully true, I really had to spend a lot of time sitting with myself and picking apart what it actually means to me to be successful and how to accept that because my parents for my parents success was having the time to spend with their family so they both chose jobs that paid a lot less money but gave them the freedom of time so my lesson was you can either have money or time you cannot have both 
Oh my God, I'm so relating. I'm relating so hard. <laughs> right. So I was thinking, okay, well, if I can have money or time, you know, I can only, if, if I can only have one, you guys chose time, but that meant that I felt like we were struggling and I was afraid to ask for sneakers when mine were too small because I knew that it was going to be a burden for you. I don't want to feel like a burden to myself. So I choose money. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. I, I was thinking as you were telling about, um, you know, feeling that way since a child. I remember as a kid watching, um, you know, films like, um, what's the one like Working Girl, you know, with <laughs> Melanie Griffith. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be a, a woman in an office. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, now I look back and I think, oh my God, <laughs> like really, like really, do you think that that's, you know, the, the summum? But for me, it was, I wanted to be in, a woman in an office making a lot of money. And you did uh, I did. And then that now when I have uh, a, a good clinic day, which for me involves actually not that many hours and I walk the dog and I go to my yoga and I feel so content. But sometimes there's that little part of me that jumps up and says, you're being lazy or. Right. right. right? So this is so, so grieving this definition of success. Um, and who I pictured myself to be was interesting. And now I'm in a place where, you know, I have a podcast that's growing rapidly. Like it's, it's, it's incredible. I, I had no idea this was going to happen. I have a book that's, you know, hitting bestseller lists on Amazon. And I feel like, you know, I'm about to be invited to TV and radio again, like now, like soon, like I'm going to be in magazines soon. This is happening again, but it's happening at a different speed. It's happening and uh, on something that feels more mine, I love acupuncture. I still practice. It's amazing to me what we can, I, and I treat mostly burnout and stress management. So even my acupuncture practice is focused on this, you know, and I love it. It's amazing what acupuncture can do for burnout. We could talk about this for hours. It's so incredible. It's so magical. I love it. I love it. I love it. But there was this other piece to my success story that was necessary for me. And, and burnout is something that I believe so strongly that we need to fix. That to me now, or at the time getting onto TV was me like, you know, sort of being important. Now it's not, I'm not important. Now this message is important and I'm separate from it. It is not me hmm. that they're asking for. And that makes it so much more enjoyable for me. Absolutely. And actually, I really want to touch on treating burnout, anxiety, and stress, but I really want to talk about your book. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a quick, a quick burnout thing. You know, we'll do a quick thing. All of the scalp acupuncture. So when you're really burnt out, when you go through chronic stress for a long period of time and you're actually burnt out, your prefrontal cortex, so the front of your brain, this gray matter, it shrinks. Oh, wow. Like literally. That literally shrinks. Oh. Literally, you lose brain cells because of the stress. And so your limbic system becomes more active. So you cannot control your emotions and you can, you know, all of the acupuncturists all understand this process, right? So when that happens, when you do scalp acupuncture, you know, like if you do 24, all the UB points around the forehead, all of these things, you can actually help the brain to physically regrow, like during the treatment, like you can make that happen. It's amazing because all we need for growth in the brain is a calm nervous system and fresh blood flow. How easy is that for us? Come on. It's like, it's, it's basic level acupuncture. It's nothing special. Now there's studies released that the combination of GB20, DU24 and stomach 36 increase cerebral serotonin levels. Wow. Yeah, in, right? In the brain. In the brain. Wow. That's incredible. This is incredible. So we can really do massive, massive things. First of all, you can help, obviously, all of the physical symptoms that come up with it. But second of all, the calming of the nervous system, the integration of the polyvagal system, and the, the access to increasing the blood supply in the brain, even just doing neck points. When people have a lot of neck tension, there's not good brain, like blood yeah. flow to the brain. It's very simple. Do UB10 on everybody, you know? Like this is, this is easy for us. And it's wow. so magical what we can do. It's yeah. really cool. People have been asking me now if I'm going to create a, a course for treating burnout 
as you know for acupuncturists for treating their patients in burnout and i keep thinking it's too easy <laughs> but maybe <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a really short book maybe <laughs> yeah, yeah. but maybe i should do it but then um the book is called the bounce back ability factor and it's a little bit of a memoir, you know, it's a little bit of my story and, and what happened to me and how I burnt out. And it's the seven main reasons that people burn out. And then it's seven answers to those reasons. If this is the reason that you're burning out, this is the thing that you should be focusing on. This is the, this is your way out of it. And uh, in addition to that, to me, it's like, um, a basic introduction to a bunch of different things that you might want to research if they resonate with you. So we talk about brain and heart coherence as a healing method, right? We talk about being a highly sensitive person because a lot of people don't know that this exists as a thing. And, and this is, if, if this hits you, you should go read about that more because it matters. So to me, this is an introductory book of all the things about burnout so that you can then take the pieces that are most resonant with you and you, and you know where to take them further because I've given you guidance to, to not just use this book, but to, to further your knowledge. So you're empowering people, really. To I, I really hope so. Healing. Exactly. Yeah. I really hope so. This is my my big, big hope. And I've had, you know, my advanced readers have finished have finished reading the book now. And um, I didn't know a lot of my advanced readers. You know, I asked people on the internet, like, randomly. So a lot of people I didn't know. And their feedback, at first, I was like, oh, maybe they're just being nice. But then everybody kept writing the same things oh my God, I didn't realize this. Now I know how to fix it. I feel so much stronger just having read it and I haven't even done anything yet. I realized as I was reading through that things were changing for me just because I was watching them, right? So this, I mean, I, I'm starting to feel like there's some magic in here. So I'm really excited for people to get it, you know? Well, there's so much value in being feeling seen. Yes. You know, when someone says, I, I see you, I... I understand what you're going through. There's exactly. so much value because I think that's part of the problem, uh, you know, in, in modern life is that we feel so isolated because in a way that's what consumerism wants brings us, us to. Yes. Yeah, it wants us to feel alone and less than in order that then we consume, consume, consume in order and to fix feel and better. Fix. Mm -hmm. And what I have found actually interestingly because... I, you know, I only started um, my career as an acupuncturist and I treat people and obviously people say, oh, this, this is quite relaxing. And, and, and I, so I treated a bunch of NHS workers. So during the lockdown, I belonged to a Facebook group for, um, for my area, for my small kind of like almost village in North London. And I put up a thing saying, you know, as soon as I can treat again, I would really like to offer some free sessions to NHS workers as a thank you. Because people were doing the clapping thing and clapping yeah. is very nice, but, you know. But their nervous systems need some support. Exactly. And what I found is really interesting because all of them said, this is so relaxing. And I'm like, great, I'm achieving because they were not necessarily, they, they didn't have like a big illness or anything. They were just, their nervous system was fr were fried. But I am actually not sure that these are going to turn into paying patients, which is, is not so much of a problem. It's just that it indicates to me that people don't put a lot of value in actually not being fried. <laughs> and I right. find that really, I don't know, wearing. And I think it's changing. I think it's changing because now there's a lot of people reaching out to me saying, oh, my God, I've been feeling like this for a long time. You're telling me it can be different. I'm saying, yes, you don't have to feel like this. We have come to a point in our society where we feel like that's the average feeling. Right. So we have to do some education around the fact that that's not that doesn't have to be the standard. Yes, and I think actually in a way that has been one of the benefits of the lockdown that, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, if you're sat at home and you have no income, then this is not going to help at all. No. But if you are in, in a lucky situation where you can get through it, then you might find yourself thinking, this is really nice to, to not be constantly run, 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 rush, 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 produce, produce, produce. Yeah, I've heard a lot of mothers say that they're really happy that they don't have to do seven after-school activities. And they're saying, okay, now when life starts again, I will choose one after-school activity for each of my kids, not three. 
And it's like, you know, that's what we call, I call that life pruning with my coaching clients. Like we have to prune away the things that are just not necessary and costing you too much energy. But this is something that now people are starting to do automatically because they're saying, okay, well, I have to re-enter some form of life. What is it that I don't have to take with me anymore on this journey? And I think it's massively important that it's happening. I'm really loving watching it because I feel like, you know, we're finally getting it. <laughs> we're finally getting that this is important. That's fantastic. Um, so your book's launching like now? Is it on pre-order? The pre-orders are available right now. So that's it's on Amazon, the bounce back ability factor. And the but you can only pre-order the Kindle version because I self-published, which we didn't get into today, but I self-published my book. And um, you cannot have pre-orders for a paperback unless you are with a traditional publisher. So the book goes fully live September 14th. So if there is somebody that wants a paperback, you will have to wait until September 14th to place an order. But if you want the Kindle version, you can do a pre-order just now. And the book will be on sale through September 20th. It will be really, uh, really highly discounted through September 20th. So a little bit longer now. Um, and after that, everybody can pay full price because I worked my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there's second, that thing, there's no shame in, in being, you know, rewarded for your work. Well, Well, and, and all these things, you know, like you were saying, they come from our family. When I finished the book, I was talking to my mother. I said, you don't earn a lot on books anymore. It's not like it's not going to be a major part of my income. It will just it was more of building a platform and helping people for a low fee. You know, just it makes it easier for people to get some assistance. And she said, well, it's not like you're not going to eat if you don't sell this book. Like, it's not like it matters if you I said, yeah, but I've put like 400 hours of work in this book. <laughs> Like, I feel like I deserve to get paid for it. <laughs> I think I think we all deserve to get, you know. Right, I do too. Compensated for our effort. Well, I'm exactly. definitely going to download it on my Kindle because I'm a huge Kindle fan. Um, I love paper books, but, I, you know, I've just spent two weeks in Spain and I loved having my books um, on my Kindle. So thank you so much. I feel like we have covered so much. There's so much good information here. I'm so glad. It was so fun for me to talk to you. For our listeners, your website is um, www.katedonovan.com. And of course, there's your podcast, with, whose name is Friday the Burnout Podcast. And your book is <laughs> The Bounce. I can't say it. <laughs> The bounce back ability factor. Bounce back ability. I was missing the back. So I was thinking the bounce ability, but obviously that's not the same meaning. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kathleen, thank you so much. Best of luck with your book launch. I'm really excited and looking forward to seeing you on television, on radio, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was such a joy. And we'll speak soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.